Our word today comes from Psalm 19. Listen for the word of God. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And the decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether, more to be desired than they, than they are of gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. This is one of those sermons I want you to feel free to take the text out and follow it along because I'm almost going to cover the whole psalm, but it'll be a little bit shorter sermon than normal, so don't get, just barely, so please feel free to to take your Bibles out and turn to, uh, to Psalm 19. So with snow in the forecast, as the frenetic planning for rearrangements and cancellations increased in our office all week long, we made the decision about Thursday to have only one worship service and for me to substitute for Casey preaching, since I'm the only clergy who live within walking distance and knew that I could get here. I decided to preach on Psalm 19, which is a psalm that extols the beauty of nature. And it was only when I sat down to write the sermon on Friday that I discovered that this is the psalm that is assigned for the lectionary for this day. So centuries ago, whatever mysterious elves that are working in caves that make these lectionary selections must have foreseen the blizzard which we would be experiencing this day. The psalm does begin with the beauty of nature. 
The heavens are telling the glory of God and the firmament proclaim God's, proclaims God's handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night declares knowledge. While nature is beautiful, day to day and night to night, we also know that nature can have its dark and destructive side. And that for every storm which leads us to prepare, to suspend travel, to leave work, together with those we love, if we live with those we love, and to enjoy the beauty of snow, we also know that the cold and snow are not a blessing for everyone, but they can be frightening and threatening and even deadly. That is why we have emergency responders. It's why we have civil servants. It's why we have governments, local, state, national. Snow reminds us of the common good and of our need for governance in its service. But this inconvenience and threat aside, just as day-to-day pours forth speech from the heavens and night declares knowledge, snow pours forth white in a blanket of beauty that reminds us of what peace and what peacefulness really is. I'm not a person who normally draws a lot of inspiration from nature. But I once stood on the interior landing of the church I was serving in Iowa in a blizzard similar to, but not as rare as, this one. And I saw pouring a pouring forth of snow from the black sky, illuminated by moonlight against the gothic spire of the church's tower. It was a time in my life that I felt as close to God as I ever have. There is a holiness about nature. There is a holiness about snow. Something that draws us close to the divine. The psalm continues. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In this second half of the first stanza, we are already in the midst of tension and contradiction. The poem is opened by saying, day to day, pouring forth speech. And yet now we're told there is no speech. There are no words. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth. The great Jewish scholar Robert Alter says that this part of the poem is, quote, the language of images, wordless language, the speech of silence. It is simply a further expression of the absolute power of nature to lead us to wonder. In the presence of nature's beauty and power, we are beyond words. We are beyond language. We are beyond speech. We are in the realm of wonder. That is the realm of the divine. And that is the realm of faith. I'd like you to think for a minute. Has there ever been for you 
an experience that has rendered you absolutely speechless? Has it been birth? Or the nearness of death? Love? Friendship? The beauty of another human being? A sight in nature? A work of art or literature or poetry or drama or music? Has it been the view under a microscope or through a lens taking you to the outer reaches of space? Or to the depth of the ocean? Has it been a dream? Or a vision? Or a prayer? There is no speech. There are no words. Yet their speech, their words, their voice go out in all of the earth. As we move into its second stanza, the psalm remains in heaven, but the focus moves from day and night to simply the sun, the source of day. And the sun is then compared to the earthly figures of a groom emerging from his tent on the morning after his wedding, a soldier traversing the earth, or a runner running the race. The psalmist says, In the heavens God has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing, nothing is hidden from its heat. The song which began so beautifully in heaven has suddenly moved us to earth. Groom, soldier, athlete, the heat of the sun. And then this movement on earth continues in the third stanza as the tone of the psalm suddenly changes. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance of the the Lord are true and righteous altogether. These verses have a rhythm that is firm and steady. It is a beat that is repetitive and solid. It is almost like industrial machinery. Ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. It is earthly, 
and earthbound. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Thus, as the psalm moves from wonder, the wonder of heavens, to the earthiness of earth, these verses extol human action, human responsibility, human embodiment and obedience to the will and way of God. In fact, God's will for humanity, the law, what we call the Ten Commandments, is described as perfect, sure, right, clear, pure. We are a long way from wonder, but it's wonder that has led us here. We are no longer in the realm of the heart, but rather the will, but it is the heart that has led us to the will. We are no longer in heaven, but on earth, but it is the wonder of heaven that has drawn our attention to the responsibility on earth. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. Moreover, in this earthbound, ethical, responsible way of life that is embodied by the commandments and ordinances of God, there is now, in the next phrase, a passion of the heart that borders on the sensuous. More to be desired are these ordinances, these laws of God. More to be desired are they than gold, even fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, than the drippings of the honeycomb. As the psalm has moved from heaven to earth, from heart to will, it has with equal suddenness moved from will to desire. And desire here in this psalm is a good thing, sweeter than the sweetest of honey. And then the psalm makes another move. Moreover, by these ordinances is your servant warned. Warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then shall I be blameless and innocent of great transgression. With these moves, we are into warning, errors, hidden faults, insolence, transgression. We have thus in this psalm moved from wonder to responsibility to what we call sin and forgiveness. As Alter writes, having acknowledged the beauty of the law, the psalmist is now compelled to confess that even in the best of intentions, an imperfect human being can scarcely be sure of never having violated any of God's laws. So the psalmist requests forgiveness. The most beautiful sense of wonder, the deepest commitment to doing the will of God, even an almost sensual desire to live according to God's will, still do not leave us without shortcoming, without error, without falling away. As Paul says, all of us have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. This past week, I spent some time editing and offering comments to a friend who for several years has been writing a lengthy academic paper about a disagreement that occurred between two of America's greatest theologians, Reinhold Niebuhr and his brother Richard Niebuhr. Their disagreement concerned the appropriate Christian response, an American response, to Japan's invasion of Manchuria in 1932. One of my favorite theologians, Reinhold, advocated at the time economic sanctions and boycotts on the part of the American government and the American consumer. Another of my favorite theologians, Richard, in a famous article entitled The Grace of Doing Nothing, advocated that America do absolutely nothing in response to this invasion. In this instance, history proved Richard wrong. And he eventually moved away from his position of doing nothing. But his view has been held up by theologians and ethicists in decades since as a heroic, pure, moral, perfect stance. And it's that use of his view over the past 50 years that my friend is tracing in his article. But editing this paper this week as the snow was coming, it struck me how nearly all of our ethical positions on matters political and global, as well as on matters personal, never escape the limits we have as human beings. They never escape the penchant for what we call if we can use the word appropriately and without shame, of what we call sin, which simply means the limits sometimes of our will and sometimes of our knowledge to get things right. So clear me from hidden faults, we pray with the psalmist. Clear us, all of us, from hidden faults. We have all faults of which we're not aware. We all have faults that lead us down paths that we do not intend. We have all been mistaken in our judgments, mistakes that sometimes hurt no one, sometimes hurt only ourselves, sometimes hurt the people we love, and sometimes hurt people for whom we are responsible. That is why ultimately... The sense of wonder with which this psalm begins leads us to an awareness of our limits, which in turn leads us to confession. Clear us from hidden hidden faults. But finally in the end, the psalm leads back to wonder. It concludes with a line that the Jewish people say three times a day following a prayer, and it's a line that we often hear or say prior to hearing or giving a sermon. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock 
and my Redeemer. Ultimately, our prayer is this. May our speech, may our thoughts and our feelings, and may even our actions be acceptable to God, the rock on which we stand, the one who redeems us, and who we in the Christian side of the faith believe redeems us through Christ. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's a good psalm to read and hear in the most terrifying but also the most beautiful snow in decades. The lectionary gnomes got it right in picking it for this day. So thank you for making your way here to worship. And as you make your way home, be careful and in the softness of this snow, be peaceful. It's a gift. Amen.